lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Welcome to day two of our special three-day event to close out 2018 here live and on demand on Blaze Media. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. If you missed day one, go get the podcast. You can subscribe to it on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify, or watch the video on demand here at uh, Blaze Media. Yesterday's day one was our year-end two-hour edition of the Dace Group Roundtable. The best, the worst, and the really, really bad of uh, of 2018. We had a lot of fun with that. Today, we take a look back again. Uh, we're going to look at our top 10 fake news stories coming up uh, in the next hour of the show. We're also going to take a look at uh, the predictions I made last December for this year. I do this every year. Last year, I actually, if you guys remember, I had the best year I've ever had in my uh, perennial crystal ball predictions. So I've not yet uh, looked back on what I predicted 12 months ago until I'm about to do it later in the show today. And we'll go through those predictions and see which ones I got right or which ones I got wrong and which ones I was not even close. In the meantime, we love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. This hour, though, begins with our countdown of the top 10 stories of the year. Todd and Aaron, uh, they conspire and collude. That's right. That's collusion. We can verify some collusion has taken place between Todd and Aaron to rank these stories to get my commentary on them from 10 to 1, beginning with number 10. On June 12th, Donald Trump and North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un had a little summit. And Trump's infatuation with strongmen continued. And yes, I agree, the rhetoric was unbelievably harsh at the beginning. But we have a very good relationship. We were going to war with North Korea. That was what was going to happen. We are doing great. That was a big, big problem. And you know the interesting? When I did it, and I was really being tough, and so was he, and we were going back and forth, And then we fell in love, okay? No, really. He wrote me beautiful letters, and they're great letters. We fell in love. The outcome of the summit were promises by Kim that he'd curb his nuclear program, demolish some of his nuclear test facilities, and some other innocuous stuff. At first, it seemed the South and North were starting to make some progress, but nobody really knows if North Korea is reforming, and certainly whether or not the summit has had anything to do with that. Regardless of the outcome, the summit will go down as one of the most historic moments of Donald Trump's presidency. (laughs) We thought... That the best way to kickstart two hours of quality programming is to lead off with the thing that you can't even at all? Is to make yeah. our host suicidal. Yeah, I, I can't deal with this. Um, it's it's not pro-America. It's, it's not alpha male. <clears throat> it is beyond beta. It's the most emasculating, embarrassing, beta male moment. I believe in the history of the United States presidency. And I'm dead serious when I say it. I'm not, I'm not, that's not, and maybe you'll think it's hot takey. That's not my intent. Tell me, give me another one. Go, but, was it the love letters you, that tipped you, you, you off? You're, you're, you're the, you're, you're, you're a layman historian like me, Todd. Give me another one. Give me another one. And I mean like 240 <sighs> years of that office. Give me one worse than that. 
don't don't want to. There isn't one. This is literally one of the worst human beings on planet Earth. One of the worst human beings on planet Earth. And he got nothing. Uh, the president got nothing out of it. And in exchange, essentially gave him a massive public relations win uh, and validity on the world stage and humiliated himself in the process. And this is what happens when you're driven by narcissistic personality disorder. I, I don't, I'm just, you know what, man? 2019, no BS. Not that we were lying to you before, but we aren't, we aren't treating anybody with any kick gloves, no childlike, uh, we're going to let you down easy. This thing is as subtle as a kick to the jimmy every day, all next year. That was humiliating beyond the fact that it was a terrible moment for the presidency. The dude code calls for swift and immediate and ruthless punishment for that level of self-emasculation. Dreadful. Number nine. Tariffs were a great idea. This is a can of Campbell's soup. <laughs> there's in the can of Campbell's soup, there's about 2.6 cents, 2.6 pennies worth of steel. Yes, I'm making you so if that goes up thing. by 25%, that's about six tenths of one cent on the price of a can of Campbell's soup. Well, I just bought this can today no, you didn't. at a 7-Eleven down you here, and the price was a dollar ninety-nine. So who in the world is going to be too bothered by six tenths of a cent? Here's a can of Coca-Cola. Here's a can of Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola has three cents worth of aluminum. It's not in crystal it. or Perrier. So if that goes up ten percent, that's three tenths of a cent. I just paid a dollar forty-nine for this can of Coke. It doesn't mean anything. So all this hysteria. It is a right. lot to do about nothing. It gets better, right? Because I feel like I'm being set up to fail here. <laughs> no. This is this is like if Charlie Sykes and Bill Crystal got together and did like the top ten stories of the year. This is the lowest lying fruit imaginable you, you, there there is even if i wanted to even if i even if i took the money to shill there is no credible angle i could i could contrive concoct maybe others could i i'm not i'm incapable to positively spin what you just saw all right that's a cabinet secretary wilbur ross who's a multi-billionaire this this is a can of soup. This is what it costs. This is a can of Coke. It cost me $1.45. I just bought this can of Coke. I hear it is preferable and popular with the peasants. <laughs> I hear all the proletariat are drinking this these days. It's it is like that fake Twitter account that comes from North Korea. Yeah. Yes. The RK News yes. Service. But we were doing it. I, I just 
<laughs> who in their right minds in the, who's doing the messaging over there at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and said, Hey, let's, let's have a billionaire roll out there with a can of soup and a can of Coke and make it look like, first of all, do we, have you, are you paying a dollar 47 for a can of Coke? Yeah. Who pays who the that hell's for paying a that? can of Coke? I mean, that's just goes to show that he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. I can, I can buy it like two, two liters almost for that at Walmart. All right, he's not he's not paying dollar forty seven. You know where it's a dollar forty seven for a can of Coke? North Korea. That's where. All right, where they do horse bleep political propaganda, like you just saw there from Wilbur Ross. That's just terrible. What is populist about that? What is what is America first about that? And I guess we are admitting now that tariffs are taxes on the consumers, right? Because he's only doing this by pointing out that. The only reason he'd have to say cost on these items going up is not a big deal is if Trump's tariffs were causing what? Cost Cost to go up. (laughs) So now we're admitting that these costs get passed on to the American consumer. That thing is a pathetic self-own. And and, and and here's the other thing. I can't. So to sum up. Man. Number 10. Man. Pathetic self-own. Number nine, pathetic cell phone. Aaron, what's number eight? How do these people make more money than me? For the love of Allah, what's number eight? On January 24th, former Michigan State University and USA Gymnastics doctor Larry Nasser was sentenced to between 40 and 175 years in Michigan State Prison after pleading guilty to seven counts of sexual assault of minors. On February 5th, he was sentenced to an additional 40 to 125 years in prison after pleading guilty to an additional three counts of sexual assault. He'll go down as one of the most horrifyingly prolific predators in American history. During his sentencing, his victims faced him. And no testimony possibly was more powerful than that of Rachel Denhollander. And Larry, I don't need to tell you what the cost of your abuse has been to me because you got to read my journals, every word of them, because those had to go into evidence to make this happen. But I want you to understand why I made this choice, knowing full well what it was going to cost to get here and with very little hope of ever succeeding. I did it because it was right. No matter the cost, it was right. And the farthest I can run from what you have become is to daily choose what is right instead of what I want. You have become a man ruled by selfish and perverted desires. A man defined by his daily choices over and over again to feed that selfishness and perversion. You chose to pursue your wickedness no matter what it cost others. And the opposite of what you have done is for me to choose to love sacrificially, no matter what it costs me. In our early hearings, you brought your Bible into the courtroom, and you have spoken of praying for forgiveness, and so it is on that basis that I appeal to you. If you have read the Bible you carry, you know that the definition of sacrificial love portrayed is of God himself loving so sacrificially that he gave up everything to pay a penalty for the sin he did not commit. By his grace, I too choose to love this way. You spoke of praying for forgiveness, but Larry, if you have read the Bible you carry, you know forgiveness does not come from doing good things, as if good deeds can erase what you have done. It comes from repentance, 
which requires facing and acknowledging the truth about what you have done in all of its utter depravity and horror without mitigation, without excuse, without acting as if good deeds can erase what you have seen in this courtroom today. The Bible you carry says it is better for a millstone to be thrown around your neck and you thrown into a lake than for you to make even one child stumble. And you have damaged hundreds. The Bible you speak carries a final judgment where all of God's wrath and its eternal terror is poured out on men like you. Should you ever reach the point of truly facing what you have done, the guilt will be crushing. And that is what makes the gospel of Christ so sweet. Because it extends grace and hope and mercy where none should be found. And it will be there for you. And thanks to Den Hollander, even in the most heinous, darkest, and brutal moments of human depravity, the light of God's forgiveness can shine through. Mm. By the way, arrests in the, uh, in the fallout from Nasser at Michigan State continue. Uh, there have been uh, arrests, uh, prominent arrests in just this last month. Uh, former Michigan Governor John Engler shut down the Victim uh, Defense Fund, claiming that it was being uh, used by people seeking out uh, fraudulent claims. So there's a massive controversy surrounding that because the university had agreed to a $10 million fund uh, to pay damages to the hundreds of victims of, of Larry Nasser. Um, I'm going to wait to make this point because I suspect elsewhere on the list will be the Catholic Church. Scandal, is that elsewhere on the list? All right. Because when you look at, you know, a, a, a politically correct, um, intersectionality-driven pagan college campus, and the president at Michigan State University, Luann Simon, would belong to a, a political identity that ranks very high on the intersectionality chart, if you kind of get what I'm hitting at. Um, and on the surface, it would seem as if there's nothing really in common between what drove the, the pagans on a college campus to protect this fiend all these years and what's driving the church now for its second go-around of, of being ripped asunder for being exposed uh, for protecting such fiends as well. But there actually is a massive common thread. I'll get to that a little bit later on. Let's get to number seven first. Twitter started ramping up its targeting of not leftist users this year. This is all after Jack Dorsey, Twitter's CEO, said this in front of Congress. Um, a liberal website, Vice, did a study of all members of Congress, all 535, and they identified only three that they felt were targeted in the shadow banning, and that was uh, Reps Meadows, Jordan, and Gates. And, and I know while I think Mr. Barton was trying to get into this in more detail, uh, if there were 600,000, uh, ultimately they did a study and found only three members of Congress were biased against, and all three happened to be conservatives. And so uh, can you at least see that that is a concern that a lot of us have uh, if there is a real bias in the algorithm as it was developed? And look, I've written algorithms before. So if somebody wrote an algorithm with a bias against conservatives, I would hope you are trying to find out who those people are and if they're using their own personal view, viewpoints 
to discriminate against certain people, because if it's your stated intention that you don't want that discrimination to take place, I would hope that you would want to know if there are people working for Twitter that did have that kind of discriminatory viewpoint against conservatives, that you would at least hold them accountable so that it doesn't happen again. I would want to know that, and I assure you that the algorithm was not written with that intention. Not the intention of the company to silence right-of-center voices. So anyway, they got busy. First, they banned Alex Jones. Then they went after Gavin McGinnis for supposed connections with the group Proud Boys. Then, and boy, they messed up here, they banned Jesse Kelly. It hurts Twitter worse than it hurt me because they finally kicked off somebody that woke everybody on the right up. People are now starting to realize what Twitter has become. Twitter's nothing but a platform. It's a blank piece of paper that somehow one day woke up and decided that they were the artist, that they were in control of what gets put on that piece of paper, and that's not where their power lies. So if they continue along this path, it's going to be nothing but two feminists screaming at each other because one of them accidentally found a boyfriend. It's not so much a story about free speech. It's more a story about how companies are allowed to operate. And Twitter apparently doesn't know how it wants to operate while getting all the benefits of being an open platform and none of the risks of being a publisher whilst acting like one. That last uh, line there from you, Aaron, is is something that we need to make sure we drive home uh, to our audience uh, because it's something that had to be driven home to me as well. When, when this first controversy erupted over Alex Jones, uh, I had two schools of thought at the time. And the first is something I still believe. That was the wrong fight. That Alex Jones was a canary in the coal mine. Uh, he, was, uh, he was a lure. Uh, he was clickbait, for lack of a better description. Uh, the goal of, of leftists like Jack Daly at Twitter, like those in the media, the goal has been for a quarter century. They, they created political correctness to label everybody that doesn't have their views, racist, misogynistic, homophobic, xenophobic bigots. And the goal really since they, since they, since they handed Donald Trump the nomination by giving him 60 times more coverage than the other 17 candidates that ran, the hope was that he would be so boorish, so crude, and so damaged, they could then for not forevermore use him to define us as, see, we told you these people are exactly what, we've, what we claimed all of these years, all these decades. And so this has been the effort. And you have to recognize what the, what, what the plot you're up against is. If you link arms with Alex Jones, you may even make the point to me that it has some principled merit. Tactically, it's a loser the day you do it. Yep. Because this has been their end game. Avengers, their end game has been from the beginning to say there is no distinction. This is why everybody's alt-right now. See, to me, the alt-right is 200 braces that met in a D.C. lobby two years ago and literally had 500 members of the media, three members of the media for every guy that was there. That's the alt-right. But now everybody's alt-right. You can't, we're all racist. There's no reason at all why you'd think it's a good idea for a kid to have a mom and a dad other than you just hate the poor, oppressed gay minority. I mean, this is the game plan. If you lock arms with a with a guy who's puts in, in sworn affidavits in court filings, I'm a fraud and I just say stuff for money and I'm admitting this now so I can keep custody of my kids, which Alex Jones did. If you do this, they win. You have to pick. Didn't your mama ever teach you pick your battles, pick your battles? All right. That's that. That's the that's the front. They see. I disagree with Jesse. I like Jesse's work, but I disagree with him. I don't think his banning suddenly woke a bunch of people no. up. 
I think his banning gave people the impetus and the grounds to do what they probably all wanted to do the very first time, but then realized, is this really the hill I want to die on? That I am Alex Jones simpatico. Because if we're going to defend Alex Jones, well, Steve, what about free speech? Then go out there and defend Louis Farrakhan then. Stop telling me ban Louis Farrakhan. See what I'm saying? You can't have it both ways. All right, so I never believed for a second, and I still don't, that that was the right fight. Alex Jones is a, is a fiend and a fraud and a charlatan. Locking arms with him, you give them the photo op they want. You give them the free speech version or the social media version of Marco Rubio, Gang of Eight with Lindsey Graham Nisty and Chuck Schumer. The photo op we never lived down for the rest of our careers ever. We're all that guy now. Nope, count me out. I'm not going out like that. I got enough of my own problems without assuming Alex Jones considerable fraud on top of my already considerable baggage. Now, the second problem I had, and it was more of a rhetorical question that I asked at the time, to challenge our own side to think differently. Think better. Don't get emotional. And this was the argument I made at the time. Tell me why telling Twitter who it has to put on its platform is not any different than uh, saying bake the cake bigot. In other words, we can't just make instantaneous emotional arguments. Even if we're right, Whose natural habitat is the instantaneous emotional argument? Uh, left. The, the left has yeah, that yes, market corner. They're going to win. It's a little bit like, you know, if, if you let Alabama be the home team all the time, you might win. You're going to score some points. You won't get shut out all the time. You'll get some touchdowns. What's the odds at the end of the game you're going to have more points than, than them, though, when the game goes final? Pretty low. You let them pick the refs. You let them pick the home field. You let them pick the rules. They're probably going to win. Well, this is their game. Their game is instantaneous emotional arguments. Their game is gaslighting. Their game is demagoguery. That's the game they win at. You play it with them, you may score some points, but invariably, you cannot beat them at their own game. They wrote the game. It has no rules. That's why you can't beat them at their own game. Their game has one rule. We win. It's Calvin Ball. Yeah, we can lie about anything, deconstruct anything, hip, hip, hypocrite. Every, we don't have to be held. You can't hang us by our own standard inevitably, because we don't have a standard, all right? You're fighting people that don't have a standard. It changes to whatever standard gives them the power and coercion and control they want at the time. That's like whose line is it, is it anyway? The facts are made up and the standards don't matter. That's exactly right, all right? So the real debate became, we can't, if, if this, is, this can't be a free speech argument. We don't have to. We shouldn't have to be told who to provide a platform to at Blaze Media. Do you guys want the government to tell us we have to give so and so at Blaze Media a platform? No, no. So, but that's why the real argument here isn't free speech, in my view. It's what you articulated, Aaron, at the end. What's the law? That's the argument, not the free speech law. What's the law of the business model Twitter wishes to operate in? Well, the answer is we don't know because they've not been compelled to choose one. They are being allowed to live extra legally. They're allowed to live essentially in a nebulous region between two business models, each regulated by certain laws. And that we are allowing them and others, not just them, but Facebook and other, the social media giants really as a cabal, we are allowing them to pick the parts of each one of these laws and regulatory environments they like um, and, and to cherry pick them while granting them, therefore, no accountability along with ultimate power. That's the argument. If Twitter wants to be in the editorial business, it's a free country still. They can be in the editorial business. 
And if they want a platform, if Twitter wants to make a platform of two angry feminists screaming, I finally found a boyfriend, which is one of my favorite lines of the year. If they want to do that, can they do that? Yes. Yes. But we need to make them declare that's what they want to do. We're not doing that. We are not telling them that they can. They have to declare. We're telling them you can have it both ways. This is a form of consumer fraud, I would argue, that they are being allowed to engage in. They are given. They are being allowed to engage in, in, in what effectively is antitrust uh, business practice, or without any antitrust exemptions, like what pro sports leagues have, for example, to, so that you can't just declare we're going to have an NFL team in Des Moines. All right. That's why they have antitrust exemptions. All right. To protect their franchise rights. We're not giving them anything like that. They they have no exemptions. They've earned nothing. They've asked for nothing. And we're telling them that they can be treated with the benefits of a free plat, a free platform, an open plat, a free open platform, but they get editorial control at the same time. No, make them make a decision one way or another. And that ought to be one of the primary debates that takes place in the next year. Gentlemen, your thoughts. Yeah, you know, all right. I, there's been a lot of lazy argumentation uh, from conservatives that when they go straight to the uh, a private business can do whatever they want to. That that's not a conservative uh, position at all. I mean, from the point the perspective of baking a cake, we argue we do not have to be co-opted into taking the position that you agree with. We, we we don't argue that we can kick anybody out for whatever reason we want to based on color, creed, things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's just, a, it's just a lazy argument and one that ultimately you're going to get cornered with, if not on this particular issue, sooner or later, else, uh, somewhere else. And a corporation cannot do whatever they want to. Right. We, yeah. we have laws, regulations. That's not a conservative they position. They can't poison people. That's, that's anarchy. Yes. Aaron. Yeah, I uh, I would agree. As far as the lazy argumentation goes, that seems to be what we have the market cornered on instead of, you know, mm-hmm. emotional defenses um, like the left does. But getting getting to the point where we can actually articulate that um, businesses cannot just um, – I well, I would agree with that, Steve, that this is a, a form of consumer fraud. Businesses cannot just, in this particular arena, cannot just have uh, best of both worlds – um, while saying they're just an open platform, um, at the same, this, this would be like, this would be like you standing out on your, uh, town square, uh, in the town that you grew up on and a public area, uh, perhaps, and holding up a sign, just a sign that says something political on it and, uh, people coming in, uh, and saying, no, you have to, you have to go away now. You, I don't, because I don't like that sign. I don't like the message of that sign. This is what it's akin to right now. If it is a platform, if it's a publisher, then a lot of us are going to go away, are mm-hmm. going to get kicked off, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's Twitter's prerogative, but that, at the same time, they're going to be taking on more responsibility by choosing that. Yep. If it's a platform, then nobody gets to be kicked off. Um, there's a nice little mute button. Uh, that's okay. That's like the form of, of walking away. Um, but there's a nice little mute button that you can use, and everybody can use that if they want to, like an unlisted number. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you know, we we, we didn't let we didn't let the cell phone companies or Ma Bell say because you're peddling smut, you don't get a phone number. We don't because it's an open platform. That's what it is. So they need to declare: are they a publisher or are they producing an open platform? Publishers have terms of services. Open platforms don't. Open platforms have, here's what it costs to access our platform. Here's what we ask of you. Here's the price 
or the registration. We want your email address yeah. for a list. Okay, hey, hey, that's know, it. You know what would be awesome too is if Facebook decided to do that as well. All of these people who have built these massive audiences on their pages and cannot access them. Heck, I saw uh, somebody from the Mother Jones who said, "I have you know how many tens of thousands of pages, and Facebook's not letting me." access my own audience heck if there was a fee that you had to pay facebook that would be worth it for a lot of people Mm -hmm. as long as it wasn't you know just exorbitant that would be worth it for a lot of people i think it'd be worth it for for people to access twitter as well if you had to pay or maybe it's just paying in terms of of your own personal data i think this ought to be the number one fight we in conservative media fight next year and not whatever nuclear missiles get exchanged between bob Mueller and donald trump uh, of, you know, two entities with very little credibility to the vast majority of the American people fighting a war uh, to oblivion with mutually assured destruction. Um, I know I know that'll get you a lot of clicks, but you won't have a place to post those clicks if we don't fight this battle right here, right now. And it ought to be our number one priority as an industry in 2019. We'll come back and continue our look at the top 10 stories of 2018 next year on Blaze Media. Stay tuned. All right, back here live and on demand on Blaze Media. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here as well. It's day two of our three-day end-of-year extravaganza. We are wrapping up the year that was, 2018, the next few days, and then we're out of here again until January 2nd. So I've only got a few more times to help you figure out a way. If one of your New Year's resolutions as a parent is, my kids have got to be and eat healthier. Well, I've got a new superfood for you that you can trick, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, inspire them. Yeah, inspire them to do better with uh, in the new year. It is called Field of Greens from Brickhouse Nutrition, a team of physicians that got together because, you know, they kept turning over the label of those superfoods. They kept turning over the label and it said uh, supplement facts on it, not nutrition facts, which means it's not an actual food. It's extracts of other foods. And they're like, here's a cool idea. What if a superfood was a f- food? And they went with what's called Field of Greens. It's the daily dose of uh, vegetarian, vegan, USDA, organic fruits and vegetables that your kids probably aren't getting because most American kids aren't. And it's in a delicious mix that'll mix with any drink you want. It's how I get my son Noah to eat his vegetables. And right now, if you visit the website BrickHouseSteve.com, that's BrickHouseSteve.com, you can get 15% off of your first order of Field of Greens so you too can trick, I'm sorry, inspire your children to finally drink, in this case, their vegetables. BrickHouseSteve.com, use promo code Steve, get 15% off today. All right, let's continue here with the top 10 stories of 2018 as selected by Todd and Aaron with number six. This time last year, nobody knew who Michael Avenetti was. Also, at this time last year, nobody knew who Stormy Daniels was, or if they did know, probably didn't want to admit it. Q, cable media. You know, I'm not pulling a Giuliani. Right. Okay, I'm pulling an Avenatti. Please welcome attorney Michael Avenatti. But at what cost, Michael Avenatti? Michael Avenatti, everybody. Stormy Daniels lawyer. Michael Avenatti. 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 Her attorney, Michael Avenatti. Let's bring in Michael Avenatti. He's going to go to Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti, before you go. Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Joining us now is Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. 
Avenatti. Okay, Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. You know, Michael Avenatti. You're Michael Avenatti. In the Michael Avenatti. Avenatti. You got Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. I want to bring Michael Avenatti in. Mr. Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. In Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Somewhere here in the building. Michael Avenatti. With Michael Avenatti. Thanks to Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. I'm my Michael Avenatti. Let me go to Michael Avenatti. Thank you, Michael Avenatti. Join us now, Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Thank you, Michael Avenatti. 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 I'm Mr. Avenatti. Mr. Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Right now, I'm pulling what's called an Avenatti. Michael Avenatti has been the attorney for porn star Stormy Daniels, who just so happened to be one of Donald Trump's romantic conquests back in the day. And when I say back in the day, I mean when Melania was back home after having given birth to Baron Trump, but that's a story for another day. Stormy Daniels was quickly overshadowed as media couldn't get enough of her bald, brash attorney. With as much time as he was getting, he was quickly becoming a household name, even having his name bandied about as a potential challenger to Donald Trump in 2020 for president. He even made ovations in Iowa. That all came crashing down, well, thanks to him, but also Julie Swetnick. And NBC News, for the record, has not been able to independently verify her claims. There are things that she told us on camera that differ from her written statement last We've been trying independently to reach out to anyone who remembers attending parties with Julie Swetnick and Brett Kavanaugh, and we've been asking her attorney for names so far. We've not found anyone who remembers that. She's also unclear about when she first decided to come forward. Then he was evicted from his offices in Los Angeles for failing to pay rent, had a very hefty judgment leveraged against him by a judge for failing to repay an associate, was referred to the Department of Justice by the Senate Judiciary Committee for a felony matter involving the aforementioned Swetnick, and finally, Stormy Daniels, the girl who brought him this far, gave him a swift kick in the pants and all but dumped him as her attorney. Oh, and he was arrested for domestic violence as well, so so that's not good. Well, if nothing else, Michael Avenetti is just a testament to how fast a grifter can go from seedy porn star lawyer to presidential hopeful to having political leprosy all in the span of a few months with just a little help from his friends in cable news. I don't know what I can add to that. I mean, that, that is, that's the spirit of the age incarnate is what it is. He is the spirit of the age in which we live incarnate. Let's go to number five. On August 14th, the grand jury report of sexual abuse in and involving members and priests of six Pennsylvania dioceses were released. The 884-page document, two years in the making, shined light in the dark corners of those dioceses going back seven decades, exposing the predators and the efforts of their bishops to protect them. The report cites 301 priests, clergy, and lay teachers with credible allegations against them. There are 99 in the Diocese of Pittsburgh alone. Of those 99, a group of four groomed and violently sexually assaulted young boys. The grisly details were also spelled out in the report, a dumbfounding look at the evil within some of the leadership of the Catholic Church. So I mentioned this uh, earlier when the Mary Nasser scandal, uh, tragedy, uh, wickedness uh, was on the list. And you may look at the Catholic Church, um, an institution 
that stands, or at least is supposed to, uh, stand outside the normal tenets of space and time. That is supposed to transcend the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age, like Michael Evanetti embodies. And you may look at that uh, institution, and then you may look at Michigan State University, uh, awash in pagan political correctness, awash in pagan utilitarian ethics, awash in um, much of that which Michael Evanetti, in many respects, in bodies, which is why when he started humming their siren song and showed them a little egg, the people with the belief system that uh, ran Michigan State University couldn't put them on their media networks enough. And you may look at those two things and say, they have nothing in common other than the victims or children. That's not true. The same philosophy that ruined one of those institutions ruined the other and ultimately led to the least of these, the most vulnerable of these, being left unprotected. See, you don't get pagan utilitarian ethics doesn't get away with saying, we're just going to kill kids before they're born because we don't want them. Unless the institution that stands outside of space and time that was placed here from heaven itself to protect such innocence permits it. Has little to say other than words, but no action. And allows that exact same belief system into its own ranks. One of the greatest observations I've seen in my career was when I heard Dr. James Dobson say years ago, there's really only two worldviews on this planet. God is or he isn't. And the same impulse that drove both of these institutions, one, a paragon of academia, leftist academia, another, supposedly, the institution through its infrastructure, its adherence to tradition, and its obedience to the word of God to conserve and preserve the things of merit that have stood the span of space and time, um, they have something uniquely in common. The people running both of those institutions decided a while ago that God isn't. That God is something else. The God we want. The system we want. The power we want. The relevancy we want. The relationships we want the accommodations we want, the compromises we want. What we want. Because there's only two. God is and God isn't. And they have different languages. One might be the language of academia and the other might be in Latin. But they made the same choice. God isn't. And until the people are removed from the places of prominence in those institutions that believe God isn't, God will not be is. It won't change, which is why we're on our second go-around with this, with the Catholic Church, in 20 years. And it's why there was Michigan State, now there's Ohio State, and there will be other universities as well. Because it's the same exact mindset. The system we serve is our God, not the one true living God. Think that's fair, Todd? Oh, it's more than fair. You are summing up why I said yesterday's show, uh, the most underrated story, as much as we talk about it, but in terms of its prevalence in the culture, is progressivism. It, it, it infects 
everything. It's why I say progressivism is cancer all the time. It is a disease. And it metastasizes yes. Yes. To, to, in both the city of man and the city of God just the same. And it's why when it comes to the church, I say it's pithy, but it's dead serious. The excommunications must continue until morale improves. Number four. The eternity of Robert Mueller continued in 2018, and the following video is pretty much everything you and anybody else needs to know about the Mueller probe. In on him. Breaking news, a new bombshell. One astrologer says this means the beginning of the end for President Donald Trump. The beginning of the end of the Trump presidency. Trump will resign. Trump is going to resign. Is this the tipping point? I know we've said it. Over and over. You think this is a tipping point? And over and over. This is a tipping point. And over and over. Breaking news, President Trump off the rails. It was the beginning of the end today. The beginning of the end. It reminds me a lot of the last days of Nixon. Breaking news tonight, new bombshell. This is the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. The walls are closing in. The walls closing in. The walls closing in. Breaking overnight bombshell. This is a very dramatic day, and I think it might be near a tipping point. Do you think this is a tipping point? This is unbelievable. This is remarkable. Have you ever seen seen anything like this. His presidency is crippled. December 1st, 2017, you can mark it down. This is the day that everything changed. We begin with the bombshell. The beginning of the end. 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 In fact, if this were a football game, we're in the third quarter. May even be the beginning of the end. We begin tonight with the bombshell. Donald Trump is in a lot of trouble. Trump is in trouble. The president will resign. Another hour, another bombshell. This is a tipping point. Trump's going down. This president could be impeached. I do not think the president will serve out his term. Resignation. Resignation. I don't think this president is going to serve out his term. Mr. Trump will not serve out his term. He will not serve out his term. No way, no how. Breaking news. Absolute bombshell. I think Donald Trump is in trouble. Donald Trump is not. He's done. And it's over. It's over. The wall's closing in. The wall's closing in. This is going to be the Achilles heel. Breaking news tonight. I expect Trump to depart. This week will be the watershed week. Trump is in big trouble. Trump's in a lot of trouble. It's a sign of a terrified old man who feels the walls closing in. The walls are increasingly closing in on him. Tonight, the walls are closing in. Today changed everything. This is the beginning of the end. Today, the biggest tipping point for the Trump administration. What a historic day. The bombshells, uh, they fell. It's entropy and it's crumbling internally. He's underwater. He feels the walls closing in. Could his testimony be a turning point? We may be at a tipping point. It's the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. Another bombshell. 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 This is a bombshell. It is a bombshell. I am beginning to resent the word bombshell. Good Lord. <laughs> orange, whip, I, orange whip. Orange whip. Orange whip. Three orange whips. I really wish I would have made that. <laughs> Um. Ah. Oh, wow. Can so, I? Can yes. I just? At the moment, most of those things were said. They were overreaching. They were hysterical. They were needlessly hyperbolic. They were frivolous. Now, but at the end of the day, they could all also <laughs> be, be <right>. true. <laughs> well, it's like the Economist who predicts every year there's going to be a recession. Yeah. If you just keep predicting it, sooner or later there will be one, and you will be right. Right. To your point, was that Omarosa? Yes. Oh, oh, oh I, I like totally forgot about her. I was just sitting there watching and like, is that Omarosa? Wasn't that like four years ago? No, it was, it was four months ago, actually. I, I totally forgot about her. Um, here, here's the thing about this, and I think you just nailed it, Todd. 
what transpired last Friday was one of the most ominous days, I believe, in the modern history of the American presidency. At the very least, a U.S. attorney appointed by this president put in great detail in writing all of the acts of criminality and malfeasance committed by the president's personal attorney for years. Numerous instances of tax evasion, bank fraud, um, money laundering, for lack of a better description. And at the very least, I mean, this is your best case explanation. And no, these aren't Mueller's rantings. This is in the Southern District of New York in a criminal court. These are all things Michael Cohen has pled guilty to. They're just arguing over what his sentencing is going to be. Michael Cohen is not arguing that he's guilty of these things. All right? The, the U.S. Attorney's Office put these things in detail because Cohen wants to argue he shouldn't get any jail time at all. So in order to convince the judge who's, sentencing, who's responsible for the sentencing in this case, that Michael Cohen deserves five to six years in prison, that's the, that's the argument they're having, to convince the judge of this, the U.S. Attorney's Office in 38 pages, and I read every word, laid out in painstaking detail the criminal activity of Michael Cohen wholly and totally separate from his interactions with Trump. This is just what he was engaged in. Mueller is the one handling the stuff between what Cohen, whatever it was alleged to have done with Trump. And this guy is, is a corruptocrat. There's no way else to describe it. The best case explanation is that the president, and he admits to this, this is, again, we're not arguing because I post this stuff on my Facebook wall and people are like, well, hey, how do we know? He admits he's going to prison. Who, who says, you know, I'm going to go to prison for things I didn't do? Who does that? Well, some people do, usually, but not usually rich guys from the Upper East Side of Manhattan typically don't, if you know what I'm saying, right? Most people don't go to prison for things they didn't do. Michael Cohen is not disputing these allegations. He's, he's owning up to them. He has admitted them. So this isn't a case of leaks or, I mean, again, think, all right? This is the stuff Michael Cohen says, I did these things. And the U.S. attorney lays this out, appointed by Trump, in painstaking detail in order to make the case he doesn't deserve any such leniency. The best case scenario is that the president of the United States was completely duped by, by, and is, was naive enough to allow such a ham-fisted grifter and con man into his inner circle. And used that attachment to sell his own influence peddling, which the U.S. attorney mentions as well in the report. That he was, he made at least $4 million off a consulting firm that said, if you hire me as your consultant, I'll give you, in 2017, I'll give you access to the President of the United States. And he could deliver no such access. That's the, understand, this is the best case scenario. Agreed. Best case. That's bad. If that's the best case that the guy wielding the nuclear football can be naively duped by one of the worst ham-fisted, corruptocrat con men that, that who, who's literally like, hey, I saw that in House of Cards. It looked cool. Let me try it. That bad at this. If that's your best case scenario, we are, we are heading toward, we're going down a dark alley in 2019, guys, if that's the best case. But here's the problem all those media people have you just saw. They've been saying this for two and a half years. And it's the oldest tale of time. It's tale as old as time. We're at the boy who cried wolf stage now. 
No one cares what any of these people think. We're actually at the point now that we're, we kind of ought to be like that guy when Carl Lewis sings the national anthem. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> we ought to be at the uh-oh point. But now we're just kind of like, <sighs> hey, when's America's Got Talent coming back? That's kind of where we're at right now. Top three stories of the year. 2018 is next here. We get to hour two. Stay tuned right here on Blaze Media. Back in a moment. All right, back here for hour two of day two of our three-day end-of-year extravaganza. Here on The Blaze Media, live and on demand, I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here as well. We are looking back at the year that was, 2018. We will continue our countdown of the top 10 stories of the year as ranked by Todd and Aaron. Uh, we got we have the top three on deck, so stay tuned for that. We've got my pick, or picks, I should say, for my top 10 pieces of fake news uh, of the year. We'll get to that a little bit later on. We're also, later in this segment, going to look back on the things I predicted would happen this year, 12 months ago. I do this every single year. Some years are better than others. I, I probably had my best year ever in 2017, so we'll see if I could even come close to that in 2018. All that and more still to come here, uh, live and on demand on The Blaze Media. And don't forget, we love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve day show last name is spelled d-e-a-c-e one of the big stories that just broke recently 500 million identities stolen via a hack of the marriott uh, corporation worldwide to put that in perspective like 330 million people live in the united states which means this is well over almost 150 million more people or it is more than 150 it's 170 million more people than live in the u.s had their identities stolen through the Marriott Corporation, which means they've got that little three-digit code on the back of your credit card that you use to verify it's actually you. They've got your date of birth and a lot of that other personal information so that even when you call like, you know, your television company or your power company and you have you have an issue and they want to verify it's you, the information you give to verify that that's actually you, well, they've got that for 500 million people worldwide, which means your most valuable investment, your home's equity, is even more vulnerable than it was before because thieves are targeting this. Why? Because they want to liquidate that equity in the home and use that uh, for what they want to spend it on rather than leaving you uh, to capitalize on your investment. Don't let that happen to you. Protect your home through home title lock. It's just pennies on a day and they will put a virtual barrier around your home's title if they detect anything nefarious whatsoever. They're on the case to confront it and they will let you know about it. You don't know, maybe your home's title has already been targeted. You can find out with a free title scan and report from home title lock. Normally it's $100 to get one of these. They're giving it away today to our viewers and listeners on Blaze Media for free. All you have to do is sign up at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Let's get to the top three stories of the year as ranked by you, Todd, and you, Aaron. Here's number three. On June 21st, Justice Anthony Kennedy announced his retirement from the U.S. Supreme Court. On July 9th, President Trump picked a former clerk of Anthony Kennedy, Judge Brett Kavanaugh of the D.C. Circuit. His preliminary hearings this fall went pretty well, actually. Actually, that didn't go well at all. 
but even those protesters couldn't derail the nomination process entirely, and it appeared like confirmation on Brett Kavanaugh was headed for a vote on the Senate floor. That is, until Dianne Feinstein said, hold my beer. Days before the confirmation vote was to have taken place, Feinstein released a statement saying she was referring a letter she received from a constituent regarding alleged sexual misconduct on the part of Kavanaugh. Later, we learned the name of Kavanaugh's accuser, Christine Blasey Ford. After days of Kavanaugh being wrung through the media and slandered, as well as withstanding a slew of other allegations, Ford finally agreed to a dual hearing with Brett Kavanaugh. There was music playing in the bedroom. It was turned up louder by either Brett or Mark once we were in the room. I was pushed onto the bed, and Brett got on top of me. He began running his hands over my body and grinding into me. But Kavanaugh, for the first time in the nomination process, finally acted like a human. I'm not questioning that Dr. Ford may have been sexually assaulted by some person in some place at some time. But I have never done this to her or to anyone. That's not who I am. It is not who I was. I am innocent of this charge. Brett Kavanaugh is now on the Supreme Court. And at least for this time, the left was shown that open character assassination cannot be tolerated. It is interesting, too. Where's all the intellectual curiosity on following up on uh, Dr. Ford's allegations? Exactly. How about those uh, women that uh, in those malls that Roy Moore, the fiend, terrorized in 1981? Where's, where's justice for all of these women? The asterisk, asterisk next to believe every woman is the largest asterisk in the history. Unless you're, yeah, unless you're Lena Dunham and it's, it's, it's a writer on yes. my show I like, then don't. Unless it's Neil deGrasse Tyson and he's the cool hip atheist that we can put in our movies and our TV shows, then it's, then it's not, right? And if, 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 until Harvey Weinstein can no longer give me the, the, the career-making role that I, that, that I want, then, then, it, then it is, then it changes, right? You mean like that? Always. Always. I agree. Number two. On February 14th, a gunman stormed through the halls of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, killing 17 people, most of whom were high schoolers. The event, the deadliest school shooting in American history, sparked yet again one of the most heated dialogues on guns and the Second Amendment this country has had in recent memory. But beyond the gun debate, the story got deeper. Later on, it was revealed law enforcement in and around Parkland were aware of the shooter, had visited his residence multiple times, and had failed to act on several red flags. Broward County Sheriff Scott Israel found himself at the center of those further revelations. Do you understand how the public, seeing red flag after red flag after red flag, warning after warning after warning, they hear that your office didn't even initiate a report when they got a call saying that this guy could be a school shooter in the making? How could there not even be a report on this one? 
Well, if, the, if that's accurate, Jake, there, were, there, there needed to be a report, and that's what we're looking into, that a report needed to be uh, completed. It needed to be forwarded to our either Homeland Security or, or Violent Crimes Unit, and, and they would have followed up that's on it. That's from your or notes. That's from notes released the, by your office. I'm not, I'm not making this up. This is from Broward. No, and that's, and that's what that the, the officer who handled that is on restrictive duty, and we are, that's an active internal investigation, and we are looking into it. I can't tell you, I, I can't predict how an investigation is going, but we have, I've exercised my due diligence. I've led this county proudly, as I always have. We, we have restricted that deputy as we look into it. You know, uh, you know the, the deputies make mistakes, police officers make mistakes, we all make mistakes, but it's not the responsibility of the general or the president, if you have a deserter, you look into this. We're looking into this aggressively, and uh, we'll we'll take care of it, and justice will be served. Are you really not taking any responsibility for the multiple red flags that were brought to the attention of the Broward Sheriff's Office about this shooter before the incident? Whether it was people near him, close to him, calling the police. Jake, on Jake him? I could. Jake, I could only take responsibility for what I about. I exercise my, my due diligence. I've given amazing leadership to this agency. Amazing leadership. Uh, the event also launched the stardom of teenagers David Hogg and Emma Gonzalez, to name a few others, as they were used as the poster children for the March for Our Lives. It was one of the darkest, most divisive, and certainly most reverberant story of 2018. And I want to make sure I say this exactly right, or the best I can, but um, to tarnish the deaths of those children by using them as a platform to create complete and total frauds and, and maintain frauds like Sheriff Israel, who if it wasn't for Michael Evanetti, would be the biggest political fraudster of this year. And you can see Jake Tapper's pretty pissed in that clip. You know why he's pissed? Because like a few weeks before they did this interview, he was he was used as a pawn and allowed himself to be. Let's not kid ourselves. He allowed himself to be used as a pawn at that you know sham uh, political theater town hall yeah. CNN had after Parkland, where Marco Rubio and Dana Lash got blamed. And the sheriff was sitting there the whole time who had ignored all of these warnings, whose own uh, officer who was armed and a grown ass man stood outside that school and listening to the screams of dying children did nothing, nothing. He knew this stuff and still went into this town hall and just and accepted the hosannas and and portrayed himself as a diligent public servant. I'm not advocating this, but in past eras, a fiend like that, I've used that word a lot this show, I've noticed. A fiend like that had been tarred and feathered by the local populace long before it ever got to this point. Better days, my friend, better days. He's still in office, by the way. So those the deaths of those children was used to launch complete and total frauds and scams. David Hogg's a fraud and a scam, but he's, you know, he's 18. I believed a lot of stupid crap when I was 18 with all the fiber of my being. Why? Because I hadn't really lived whatsoever. And he's propped up by a machine that you want the truth. Can we just, can we just, can we just say the truth? 
No BS. No BS in 2019. No BS. So since it's our penultimate show of the year, let's get this party started. Should we get this party started? Let's fire it up. Here's the reality for people like George Soros that fund scams like this. George Soros and his ilk have completed Antonio Gramsci's long march to the institutions. They run media, they run academia, or they run many of those who do in each of these places. Popular culture. Um, just go on down the line. Corporate boardrooms. Most of the sectors of true influence and power in the culture. Many of our churches. Most of the sectors of true influence and power in this culture, they are either, they've either had their, their simpaticos in, or, or indoctrinated infiltrate and or have been totally and absolutely corrupted and co-opted by the likes of these kinds of sectarian leftists. The in, these are institutions that the founders, in the case of the church, freed up, or in the case of a lot of your government institutions like an educated populace. What's the George Washington line? The greatest antidote to tyranny is an educated populace. See, these are institutions your founders either freed up and or founded, created, in order to stop us from ever being infiltrated from within by sectarian elitists as we have currently been. There is one institution left that your founders freed up and handed to you that they have not gotten their grimy little hands on. You know what it is? The guns. That's the only one left, guys. The only one left is your guns. That's it. That's the only one they don't control are your guns. They control all the rest. Constitution's a dead letter now. I didn't even mention the judiciary. It doesn't matter who wins elections. We just continue the same policies, the same foreign policies. How many times, how many speeches? Trump went to South Carolina in front of the largest audience of vets you can get in a Republican primary and, and basically dropped Bush lied and people died about Iraq and Afghanistan. We're all we're still dying there. We buried a guard dog there the other day, didn't we? Who saved some lives of some American troops after we buried more American troops the week before. It's just all, it doesn't matter who wins. And you know why it doesn't matter who wins? It just all that ma- the the winning is determined by the rate of aggressiveness and zeal the George Soros agenda is pursued. And maybe the guys you elect stop the new bad George Soros stuff. They don't do anything at all against all the old bad stuff they already did to us. That that just all stays. And and you pay you pay you pay the result. You pay for the freight. But there's one thing left your founders passed on to you and or freed up that they can't or they haven't yet gotten control of. And it's the only thing left between total and complete control and hegemony for these people. And that's your guns. That's the only thing left. So by hook or by crook, we will, no matter how many dead bodies, because, you know, this isn't about dead bodies. We had more dead bodies at the Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas on October 1, 2017 than any shooting in American history. There's no seeking of justice for any of those people. No, no, no journalistic inquisitiveness about what drove Stephen Paddock to do what he did. No one wondering, where's the lawsuits against the Mandalay Bay? You guys just let a guy set up a freaking armory in a hotel room carrying, carrying, carrying a munitions dump into his room? No lawsuits for culpability. We're in a high tort, high negligent society, sue happy society where McDonald's gets sued because their coffee's hot. And yet nothing. Odd. Weird. 
because it doesn't fit the agenda. Those dead kids at those schools, though, I can use those. That's the only thing left are your guns. And I'm not a gun nut. I don't even own a gun right now. So it's just, again, guys, it's just, why is Aaron doing the iTarget Pro ads? Because I don't own a gun right now. That's why Aaron does them. Plus, he'd be a better shot probably anyway. Looking at the ads. True story. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So no BS. Keeping it real, yo. The only thing left that your founders established and or freed up to protect us from infiltration by a group of sectarian elites, they have control of all of them, but one, and that's your guns. And it doesn't matter how many scam artists they create, the next Michael Moore fraud like David Hogg, or the or we keep frauds like Sheriff Israel in office. When in past era, posses would have showed up at the front damn door of the sheriff's office and said, bring out your dead. This is why we do hangings here in town. Now he's still in office getting pensions and money at beautiful Broward County where they can't count a damn vote. That's the only thing left are your guns. And by hook or by crook, no matter what they can use to get their hands on them, they will. Because they know once they have that, it's game over, man. Number one. From blue wave to blue tsunami to blue ripple and then back to a blue wave, 2018 was the year of the midterm. With a strange dynamic for a midterm election, with the economy doing well while the sitting president has proven himself to be favorably challenged, Democrats still regained control of the House of Representatives. In all, Democrats gained around 40 House seats, while Republicans held on to the Senate, gaining seats up to 53 in total. It was the year of shooting stars for the Democrats as well, with names like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, an avowed and open socialist in New York, progressive Beto O'Rourke in Texas, who gave Ted Cruz a real run for his money, and when I say money, uh, a lot of money, and open socialist Andrew Gillum in Florida, who nearly became that state's governor, all three of those became household names. In all, one thing, if anything at all, became astoundingly clear during 2018, America is more balkanized than ever before. Can't really add anything to that. I mean, we've done the analysis of the midterms ad nauseum. Uh, I agree it's the number one issue of the year, and yet, at the same time, it was pretty much a stalemate. Uh, it, it maintained the status quo. You, you won't see any different policies with the Democrats in control of the House than you would have seen with the Republicans. You just won't, guys. I mean, we we just did this. Don't fall for the banana of the tailpipe. They're gonna they're gonna be out there now that they're a minority. We got to defund Planned Parenthood. We got to yep. repeal Obamacare. We have to, you know, uh, hold these uh, social media platforms accountable. They're gonna be out there screaming and yelling this stuff every night. Don't swoon. I know many of you are, and there's nothing I can do about it. And then you'll hate me later when you'll hate me for the fact they betray you. I know I've been doing this for a while, but the check clears, and it's a lot worse ways to earn a living, and it's fun most days. That's why I put up with it. But I know it's coming. Okay. That's why as I get older, I, I have less and less patience for you. That's, that's the number one reason next year's motto is no BS. It's because it's cathartic to me just to just not give a bleep. What, when, what's that line from uh, uh, not Boys in the Hood, but one of those kinds of movies? Oh, dog was America's nightmare. Young, black, and just didn't give a bleep. That's kind of how we're going to roll. Okay. Middle-aged, white, and we just don't give a bleep. You like it? Subscribe. If you don't, we don't care. 
You know, I'm not going to pet you, not rubbing your tummy. Not that I did that a lot at, it, at all before, but I mean, I'm going to do it like not at all, not at all. So here's the bottom line. Next year, legislatively, it won't be any different than what you would have gotten if the Republicans, because Jim Jordan wasn't going to win the speakership anyway, guys. It was going to be you know, Kevin McCarthy, uh, a less fit, less charming version of Paul Ryan, who was a more fit, more charming version of John Boehner, and on and on and on. And I got that's it. That's it. This is that's all game. there is. There isn't anymore. Fun, fun game. It, it, but that and that is the game. That that's the game. Okay, so. And next year's big story is going to be the impeachment of Trump, whether Paul Ryan's a speaker or Nancy Pelosi. That was going to happen anyway. Nothing to do about it. So it's not my fault that um, they spent two years and all they did was a temporary tax cut. A good friend of mine whom I just love was on Twitter the other day, astounded that all Republicans did in two years was a temporary tax cut. And he couldn't figure out why they didn't try to at least force a vote to make the tax cut permanent right before the election to make their point. And I was going to say something to him and I just decided it's not, but I'm like, gosh, you're just adorable. Gosh, you're adorable. One of the saddest parts of the year for me after that election was the quickness and zeal with which people pivoted to the need to support Jim Jordan for minority leader. I'm like, guys, do you ever, (laughs) ever ever learn any lessons mm. listen it this is why pop culture helps because sometimes it's the, sometimes it's the thing that can just wake you up i know that's what people say that they tune in and, and steve shares letters about wh- why they find an ability uh, to connect you 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 stop lying to yourself jim jordan not because he's a bad guy he can't save you he's never shown any inkling of being the thing that changes things this is the the, the scene in the untouchables when Sean Connery's bullet-ridden body, he's just sucking for air, and he grabs Elliot Ness by the collar, and he says, what are you prepared to do? And most of you aren't prepared to do a damn thing differently ever. So that's why, as hard as all of us tried on this show— with the worldview infinite, I mean, that's the long walk that's connected a lot of dots. That's like Steve basically saying, hey, we're going to pick up the book of Romans and we're going to go through it line by line. And that's, we did that. Now this year, it's just that it's that one scene in the Old Testament with the jawbone of an ass. That's it. That's all we're doing. Well, not all we're doing, but everything we're going to do is kind of get a revolve around that because especially with an impeachment and everything, this would be so much fake, so much fraud. That's why I don't. That's why when I even saw the pleadings last Friday, and I mentioned this in the show earlier this week when we talked about them, I didn't even read what people I respect said about it. I, I'm going to read it for myself. I just, I'm in Fox Mulder mode right now. Trust no one, man. I'm going to trust. I'm 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 from Missouri. Got to show me. So I'm going to read it for myself. I'm going to listen for myself, and I'm going to tell you what I think. And if you like it, great. And if you don't, great too. Bias if you do. Don't if you don't. But um, I'm not here to rub your tummy and tell you, make the bad man stop. That's not my job. And it's never been, but I'm going to make it abundantly clear in the next 12 months that it's not. Let's go back and find out what I said 12 months ago, shall we? Yes. My predictions for 2018. Now, last year was the best year I've ever had. And I'm looking right now, and I don't know that I'm going to be as good as I was last year or 
close. <laughs> All right. So I've got the list. I, I've, I've, I used to publish these for years at Town Hall when I was with Salem Media. Uh, I've done them the last few years since I uh, joined the uh, family at Conservative Review and now the Blaze Media. All right, so we count them down. All right, and the way we've done this in the past, if you guys recall, totally wrong, totally right, half right. So you get a half a point. All right, that's how we've judged them in the past, okay? And the reason why you would get a half is because sometimes it requires a couple different elements to occur for the prediction to come true. Mm -hmm. All right, number 10, Pittsburgh Steelers will win the Super Bowl. I was wrong. that, That didn't happen. They got destroyed by the Jacksonville Jaguars at home in the uh, divisional playoffs. So that's a no, right? Correct. Number nine, Avengers Infinity War will be the top grossing movie of the year. Now, this depends how you look at it. Domestically, it is not number one. Black Panther is. Black Panther has outgrossed Infinity War. In fact, I'm going to look right now. I'm pretty sure that's true, all right? While you're doing that, I want to tell Todd a joke. Okay. Um, Todd, in a race between a dog and a pie cost, who wins? And a what? A dog and a what? A pie cost. I, I'm walking into something, and I'm not going to do it. What is it? Back to you, Steve. <laughs> My spiritual gift is derailing this show. Oh, gosh. Are you abundantly gifted? Yep. Uh, yes, Black Panther is going to finish number one domestically. All right, but globally, Avengers: Infinity War is the number one movie in the world for we'll the year, it and it's not even close. Points. We'll give you two. full points. All right, all right. Number eight, the Mueller probe will not cease, but will instead buy itself some time by indicting a Democrat. That did that happen? Um, what was they? They did something with. Um, there's still time for that to come no, true. No, it, it's what's his face's brother, the Podesta's brother. Didn't they do something? Didn't they Alex, indict? Or no, not. The didn't they indict the company or the consulting firm or Podesta's brother or something like that? Which Podesta? John Podesta, John Podesta, the chief Clintonista. You're not talking on your microphone, by the way. John Podesta, the chief Clintonista. I'm pretty sure. I think they went after John Podesta's consulting firm. I think that's one's right. All right, so I'm going to let Aaron look that up. We'll come back, all right? Number seven, Trump will not pardon anyone unless it's a family member. He didn't pardon anybody this year, correct? Was that what you meant this Yes, yeah. This, this year? The, the, this, he, and this coming year, no one would get a pardon. Was I right about Podesta's brother? Yep. All right, so there's two. They did indict a Democrat. All right, so there's two. Okay, as long as you meant this calendar year. Yeah, it was the next 12 months. Yeah. Okay. No one gets a pardon unless one of the family members gets indicted. Okay. So right? that's three. That's three, Okay. All right, number six, there will be no substantive increase in deportations, nor a single substantial move made to, quote, build a wall, unquote. We don't even need to look up any data. All right, so there's four. That That is true, by the way. Those numbers are true. Number five, Anthony Kennedy will be the deciding vote in favor of religious liberty in Masterpiece Cake Shop versus Colorado. That was that correct. Was yep. that's, uh, maybe I did well, better than I thought. Five now? That's five. Five out of, yeah, that's five out of six. That's pretty good. Uh, number four, there will be some sort of military exchange with North Korea. No. That didn't happen, no. obviously. Instead, something arguably, well, it's not worse, but certainly more embarrassing would be a fluid exchange with North Korea. <laughs> that, we had that instead. All right. We had that instead. No. Those three. are going to be some weird looking babies. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> 
Orange bowl haircuts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the memes write themselves. Oh, yes, they do. Number three, for the first time since 2000, economic growth will eclipse 4%. That happened, right? I th- Not we, for I the year. That, yeah. I think we got over 4%. Yeah, at we did. Point. So, yeah. I, at some point, we did. Yeah. All right, so is that six? Six? Out, uh, six out of eight. All right. Number two, Trump will fill not one but two Supreme Court vacancies. That's a half point. So that's a half six point. Six and a half. Six and a half. Of, yeah. This is actually going to be a pretty good score yeah. now that I think about six it. Six and a half out of nine. What were you rope-a-dumping on? I'm not going to do that good this year. You knew I, but yeah. I, Because I looked at yeah. the first couple See, and, I'm, and I didn't. I'm, I wasn't rope-a-doping. Yeah. I, I'm looking uh-huh. in real time. This one I, I bombed. Kurt Schilling was here to call you out. This one I bombed. Number one, Democrats won't retake Congress in the 2018 midterms. Oh. I bombed that one. That's still a good year. Yeah. That's a good year. Hey, if yeah, I could do, year. if I six could get half, six and a half out of ten yeah. every year, yeah. I would take that every year. That's I think I got than, seven that's, last that's year. Better than your uh, NCAA handicapping, right? That's pretty yeah. close. Pretty close. That's pretty it was close. Foreshadowing it too, I think. Yeah. Yeah, might be, might be. Well, if you watch the, you know, when we come back, our first show back on Dece- on January second is when I'm going to make my ten predictions for the new year, 2019. I'll make those on the show that very first episode back. You already know one of them if you watched uh, the roundtable yesterday. Uh, one of them is going to be Star Wars related that I think J.J. Abrams will almost completely retcon and reset his uh, Star Wars universe after whatever. Um, oh, who am I thinking of? Ryan um, Johnson. Ron, Ryan Johnson did to it in The Last Jedi. But uh, we'll have nine more predictions and then we'll look back if we're still employed after a year of truth bombs. If we're still employed 12 months from now, and we'll see how I did for 2019. All right, when we come back here to wrap up today's show, day two of our end of year, a look back at 2018 extravaganza, our top 10, This these are ranked by me now, my top 10 fake news clips of the year. Next, right here on Blaze Media. Stay tuned. And we're back here for our final segment today. It's day two of our end of year extravaganza here on Blaze Media. Taking a look at the year that was 2018. If you have enjoyed these last couple of days and you are listening on the podcast, you have time to leave us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate it. If you do, uh, please, there at Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes. The more of you that do that, the more it helps us to reach new people who find out, hey, this is a show that's growing. It's popular. Let me check it out, too. Even if you click that subscribe button, that would help us a lot as well. All right, let's get to it. It's now my turn. You guys talk, You guys did the countdown of the top 10 stories of the year as you ranked them. I've now compiled my list of the 10 best, I guess, or worst, depending on how you want to look at it, gentlemen, uh, examples of fake news this year, beginning with number 10. Uh, and ask for a work permit and then be allowed to, to go to the United States. Okay, Guys, Gabby, just you. stay on this for a moment because some people look at these images sure. and they listen to the president who says it's not women and children, it, it's stone-cold criminals. So my first question is, you're in that tent camp. Besides that family, give us the profile of who is there mostly and what are they looking for? Because it seems as though, to your point, they don't actually have the necessary information so they know how to cross the border. There could have people, there could be people yesterday who were running because they thought it was their only chance. 
Right. And it's very difficult because this has become such a polarizing issue. If we kind of take a walk, you'll, you'll be able to see for yourself. Again, this is the inner sanctum of the shelter. Uh, so uh, you're, you're going to see a lot of families here, a lot of uh, women and children. Uh, but the, the truth is the majority of the people that are part of this caravan, especially outside, if we can make our way all the way over there, uh, we'll show you the majority of them are men. So uh, when this becomes a polarized political issue in the United States, you have people on one side uh, that point and say, there are women and children here, and that is true. And then there are others who point and say uh, these are, are men that, that are trying to cross the border. And that's true, too. Um, from what we've seen, the majority are actually men. The majority are actually men. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I'll take... When zany hijinks ensue live on MSNBC for a thousand dollars, Alex. Hey, reporter, they're on the scene. Give us the uh, the guilt trip we're looking for. Oh, you're gonna push back on our narrative have, instead. Have we, by the way, seen that on location reporter living and breathing since he did that? That's by the way, so yeah, yes, at monster or careerbuilder.com. Yeah. That's where you've seen him, brother. All right, number nine. In what? With respect to what? With respect to tax legislation, the next piece? We are looking at putting in a very major tax cut for middle-income people. And if we do that, it'll be sometime just prior, I would say, to November. A major tax cut. Yeah, it's a total lie. I, I mean, I, it's, that, that's just a lie. Okay. And he, knew, he knows he's lying. Yeah, we're, let's, uh, we're looking at uh, November. When the, right before the election, Congress wasn't in session. He knows that. All right. There wasn't going to be a major tax cut. There wasn't going to be a major middle class tax cut. That's just a you complete. You just hate Trump. That's just, a, that's just a complete and total lie, guys. Just a lie. I don't know what to tell you. You can't. He, he's, he's lying. Okay. But he said, the middle income people. And the crowd went wild. <laughs> he's talking about me. He loves me. <laughs> Let's get to some Bangkok hookers. New tonight, a self-described sex coach is offering inside information on Russia's election meddling. <laughs> the woman is currently imprisoned in Thailand, but says she's willing to trade what she knows for asylum in the United States. Hi, I'm Wolf Blitzer, and now we go live to some Bangkok hookers. <laughs> this is Russia, <laughs> Thailand, and sex trade. And none of that deters me from thinking this might be more legit than I think on a regular basis from regular journalism. So I love when he said self-described because I ain't vouching for her abilities. <laughs> know what I'm saying? My, my mom already named me Wolf. I don't need to carry that baggage on top of it. All right? No, I, I, I've got no idea if she's a sex coach or not. That's what she's claiming. And we got all kinds of people just assuming nomenclature and pronouns and skill sets nowadays. Who am I to judge? Right? So let's go live to a Bangkok hooker. I mean, this is just... Talk, talk to me. <laughs> that has to win the award for oddest intro segue in cable news in 2018. It has to. Hi, I'm Wolf Blitzer. We're now going to consult with a Bangkok hooker. All right, let's go to number seven in my countdown of fake news of the year. This tweet from David Hogg. Imagine arguing that guns make us free while living in a police state because we're getting there. Hey, kid, imagine believing you're heading towards a police state so you want to give the tyrannical government you fear 
all the guns. You're smart. Smart with the A. Smart with the A. Yeah. <laughs> if wishes were horses, on the good ship, lollipop. I mean, gosh, this is just sheer brilliance. This is the smartest thing I saw all year. I can see why you're a baby. I can see why you're a star. Can we go back to the Bangkok hookers? You want to? At least that was real. Back. You know what? <laughs> We're going what back again. Back to the Bangkok hookers. Yes. Thank you. New tonight, a self-described sex coach is offering inside information on Russia's election meddling. The woman is currently imprisoned in Thailand, but says she's willing to trade what she knows for asylum in the United States. That was smarter than David Hogg's tweet. That <laughs> yes. was smarter. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Hey, man, you can't get enough Wolf Blitzer. Wolf Blitzer, everyone, again. Here it is. New tonight, a self-described sex coach is offering inside information on Russia's election meddling. The woman is currently imprisoned in Thailand, but says she's willing to trade what she knows for asylum in the United States. Our senior international correspondent, Ivan Watson, actually met with the woman. He's joining us now live from Bangkok. Ivan, tell us how that went. Tell us how that went. I know. That's, wow. <laughs> this young woman who describes herself as a sex coach. I came in a boy. I am now a man. <laughs> in the U.S. election, in exchange for her freedom from this Thai jail and to not be deported back to Russia, it is a very strange story. John, by the way, your voice sounds deeper than the last time we went live to you on location. What's changed, John? <laughs> Is this an airplane move? Have you ever been to a Turkish prison? <laughs> no, but I have been to a Bangkok hooker. A Taiwanese sex coach. Yes. I have been there. Um, Looks like we picked the wrong episode to give up amphetamines. All right. Um, let's get to uh, number five on my fake news list of the year. So many of your colleagues, former members, current members, they say what you did, you voted against releasing the Democratic report. All of the Republicans did along strict party lines. You voted in favor of releasing the Republican report. Congressman. No, no that's not true. We voted, uh, we voted to release the Democratic report. We voted to release it to the House of Representatives. Yeah, but not at the same Every time Republican as the Republicans. You wanted to hold off. You wanted it to go through what they call a scrubbing. I, I miscounted. That's that's actually number six. Uh, but hey, it, that's not that's that's not an interview. First of all, that's not true. Secondly, it's not an that, that's not an interview. He's openly advocating. He's giving the Democratic talking points to that Republican congressman and calling that an interview. Steve, this is not your show. <laughs> this is my show. Yes. You've, you've got have, you ever, have you ever visited a Taiwanese a sex coach? <laughs> I was going to say, you've got to admit, treating a... That was Steve's version of, you're a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> treating a Republican fairly is way more nuance, nuance than talking about the Taiwanese sex trade Russian spy bot. Yeah, I mean, how would he know what their motivations were or anything else? I mean, I, I, I've read the, the Schiff memo in its entirety. You know why I know I read it? Because we did it live on the air. We all read through it. What, what, what is he even talking about? Here's what he's talking about. Uh, I have something in my ear. These are today's DNC talking points. And now now I know what questions uh, I'm supposed to ask. Let's get to number five. 
Well, here's the thing. So I, I came on here um, to have an earnest conversation. I've been happily on here in the past, and we've had one. And you started with me, and I tried to have a conversation where we might get to a place of agreement. Right away, you go to Dean after me. He basically says people with my worldview are, what do you, what do you call us, Christian, Christian Saudi Sharia. Arabia. Christian yeah. Sharia, you, you, Christian yeah, Sharia law you, advocates, you did not exactly. push back on I'm not that. saying you, Steve. You did I'm not, not saying push you back are. on I don't that, know I mean, that's, that, that's just not, a preposterous statement. I cited Mike Huckabee and Rick Santorum. It was very what's, specific. What's, wait, wait, Carol, what, did you ask Steve me a question or did you talk to Dean? Okay. No, no, Thank I you. asked Steve a question. So here's, so. here's the thing. Here, here, here's the thing. Once you say certain things like that, that might be great for Dean's audience on Sirius XM of all people that already agree with him. And I can play this game, too. I can go cultural Marxist and we can go back and forth with our quips and our trolls. Nothing gets accomplished. So right away, I made an attempt to have a higher minded conversation. Instead, we go right to pro wrestling. Dean does his Bobby the Brain Heenan act and we're off. And any attempt at having any sincerity whatsoever where there might be some common ground is already done. You guys in the media don't play referee when this stuff happens. And this is why a lot of conservatives like me don't come on shows like this, because we get set up to be foils, we get set up to be straw men. And here was an attempt where I tried to have a legitimate conversation, and it's already over, Carol. It's already okay, over. I, I, will, I will take your point. I should have pushed back at the Christian Sharia thing. Well, and, but then, no, no, I've written just about a slight this exaggeration, Dean does about this. And, and I've written about this for the Daily Beast. To me, uh -huh. Christian Sharia law, Steve, just so it's clear, Sharia in this context is simply shorthand for turning religious beliefs into the laws of the land. That's what they're about. I'm not going through the Bible and saying turning this or that. To me, that's what Sharia is in the Muslim world. Sharia is attempts here. That's all I'm saying. I'm not sure why you'd be upset unless you're advocating that. I'm not suggesting you are. We don't want laws based on the Bible. Yeah, um, none of these networks have asked me back after that. I think it's just coincidence, you know, probably because I haven't said anything interesting or anything that's gotten anybody's attention. But um, that was a scam. That was you're peeing on me and telling me it's raining. That was inviting me on under false pretenses. And no, I'm not having it. I don't, I don't need the publicity that bad. And if, if we have reached the point... I, I take it back. Katie Turr actually did invite me on. I want to make sure I make that Couple point. Times, I forgot yeah. about that. Uh, and both times I said no because it was obvious looking at what the conversation was. It was just going to be a troll fest. And I, and I just, I'm not doing that anymore. You want me to have an, an honest debate or conversation? I'll sit down for 45 minutes and debate Dean back and forth all and even longer if you want. That's not what they want. And I'm just, I'm not going to be your, uh, your, your heel in your pro wrestling bouts anymore. I don't care. Good. Happy to work here because of it. Let's get to number four. 4D chess translated. Terrible people doing terrible things to other terrible people terribly. You're going to hear a lot of claims of 4D chess next year as people try to spin ham-fisted, clumsy attempts to lie, scheme, and get away with essentially vanilla levels of corruption that will then be spun into intergalactic cosmic criminal rings, which they don't deserve that level of credit either. But you're going to hear a lot of people try to spin it as, you know, stuff like Mike Flynn was exonerated by the same witch hunt special counsel because he gave exonerating evidence of Trump 
to the witch, the, the special counsel that is out on a witch hunt? Why would the why would the witch hunting special counsel give leniency to Michael Flynn for not telling him what he wanted? Does anybody know why that would work? How that works? You're going to hear a lot of stuff like that next year. Okay, don't don't no no. Here's what it is. There's no. Do I look like a guy with a plan? There's no plan. There's just this. Terrible people doing terrible things to other terrible people terribly. And that's all there is. Number three. And NBC News, for the record, has not been able to independently verify her claims. There are things that she told us on camera that differ from her written statement last We've been trying independently to reach out to anyone who remembers attending parties with Julie Swetnick and Brett Kavanaugh, and we've been asking her attorney for names so far. We've not found anyone who remembers that. She's also unclear about when she first decided to come forward. Why are you sitting here today? Well, I'm quite a shy person and quite a uh, private person. And I wouldn't be here today except for about six weeks ago. I happened to learn about Brett Kavanaugh becoming one of the people who was shortlisted to go to the Supreme Court. This is in July? Um, Summer? I, I don't remember exactly, but it was about six weeks ago. And then I became aware of Dr. Ford and her description of what had happened to her at a party one time that also had Brett Kavanaugh involved. And I started to think back to my days when I was in the early 80s in Montgomery County in Maryland. And I thought that I might have some information that might corroborate some of the things that she had stated. So you- Except she doesn't. Doesn't have any information. And she's a liar. And her lawyer's a liar and a fraud. And this entire thing was a scam and a fraud. Number two because she's telling the truth and you know it by her story. The Kavanaugh denies being at the party to begin with uh, and says his accuser might have mistaken him for someone else. What's your reaction to that? Well, I've heard, you know, uh, many, many predators say um, and, and refute allegations against them. I think what we need... As I said, I believe Professor Ford. I think she's credible. And I think when the investigation is finished and when she testifies and Judge Kavanaugh testifies, I think a majority of senators will find her credible. She told her husband, this is a trauma she's been dealing with her whole life. She doesn't want to be in a bedroom that doesn't have two doors. And it's going to be about uh, listening to what each party has to say, but I believe her. Do you believe her story? Well, I can tell you, it it really does have a ring of truth to it. Uh, I am skeptical of polygraphs, but for those who believe them, uh, she has passed a polygraph test. I believe... uh, I don't know about you, but I, I think when I'm thinking of places to go to find a ring of truth, the United States Senate's like near the top of my list, guys. You? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because a ring of truth is about the best you get from that damn den of thieves. That's about the best you get. Here's number one on the fake news of the year list. We had about 5,000 more votes come in. Some of them were provisionals, but the majority of them were actually early votes, election day, and mail votes. 
So they weren't actually 100% reported. Stacey Abrams got almost another 5,000 votes yesterday. So those are three areas. Right. And as you just said, we're looking for about 20,000 votes to force this race into a runoff December 4th. So we're using the courts. We're using every asset we have in the campaign to demand the most simple, most fair thing that every single vote is counted. Okay. The only sh- thing she didn't do there is talk like an auction. Hey, 20,000 votes here. I got a 20,000. So we're looking for 20,000 votes and we're using the courts to get all the votes counted that we need. That's what we're doing. All right. I'll say the same thing I said back when we fl- played this game. How much for one rib? <laughs> you got changed for a hundred dollar? Put in my hand for a dime. <laughs> Oh, cherry girl. I'm going to get you, sucker. Chris Rock. It never gets old. All right, final thoughts. Anybody? We've got 30 seconds. What do you think? We started off the beginning about the worst of the... There's only... There's bad fake news and there's good fake... There's no... But there's no good, good news anymore. It's all... It's all tainted. Yeah. Uh, what I like, and I think today but summed it up pretty well. Even in the midst of all that uh, tainted news, we find ways to laugh. Yes. Because... If we couldn't, we would. We this would, would just all be, be dead. live bloodlettings. We'd be cutting ourselves right here, right now. Yeah. Yes, that's that's what we'd be doing. All right, two days down, one day to go. Back at it again tomorrow, right here on Blaze Media, John three seventeen. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.